Hey folks, on the audio side here, before you get dropped into the interview for today's show, wanted to append a little intro here at the beginning. We had an awful lot of uh, technical issues on today's show that we were unable to rectify. There's a lot of where uh, the gentleman I'm interviewing, CJ, sounds like maybe he said the same thing twice. There's some echo and delay. We powered through as best we could. Uh, but that makes this maybe not the best show we've ever done. Uh, but overall, it's some great information. So uh, hopefully you can learn quite a bit about this topic from it. And we are live. Welcome, folks, to episode 34, 35 of the Survival Podcast. And today we're going to talk about 3D printing. And yes, 3D printing evil ghost guns, except there's Actually, no such thing as a ghost gun. There's only the manufacture of firearms by private citizens, which is completely legal and totally safe if you're not a moron in most of the country anyway, this country, the United States. And we're going to talk about how to do that today with our special guest, CJ. We will have him on in just a moment. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Jeff. The Berkey Guy Gleason at USABerkeyFilters.com. Uh, Jeff was a sponsor of the show for a very long time, was gone for a couple of years, wanted to come back. I was happy to have him back. Uh, I just think that Berkey makes the best water filtration stuff in the world. Uh, it's absolutely reliable. There's no moving parts. It can't break. Anybody can use it, and it looks great. But here's the thing. Sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need extra customer service and things like that. So you want a guy that's been around. Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason is one of the top Berkey dealers in the United States. He's been around so long that he is the original Berkey guy. Get your Berkey stuff from Jeff, not the guy that started selling Berkeys yesterday uh, with an extra table uh, at the uh, gun show or something like that. Next up today, John Bush with Live Free Academy. Uh, he doesn't have an active event going right now, but they come up all the time. Most of them are at least parts, you know, parts of them are free. You want to know when they're coming up. So you want to get on John's mail list. You get a lot of really critical information as well. The Live Free Academy newsletter. Uh, you can just go over to livefree.academy and sign up for it. Or you can use the link that we provide for you guys in the uh, show notes, which will be uh, posted on our blog about a half hour after this live stream ends. You definitely want to hook up with John and make sure you get in touch with all the great information that he is providing. And with that, I want to bring our special guest on, CJ. Hey, CJ, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, Jack, how are you? I'm good, man. Can we uh, can we start off before we get into 3D printing guns and 3D printing in general? Who's CJ, man? Like, who, what kind of what's your background? What got you into 3D printing? And I mean, let's go back before that. Like, what's your professional background? Uh, professionally, I do architectural metalwork. Uh, I got into 3D printing originally in college, and uh, along with CAD and CAD and all that. Um, but Basically, when I started, uh, these things about like twenty, thirty thousand dollars. So only like a big university or a big company company would have them or before them, uh, and they were about the size of like two full size, two full size copiers, copiers stacked on top of each other. Um, the first thing I printed was a chess piece, piece probably about inches high, uh, and that cost me about three three hundred bucks for two hours in time. <laughs> um, yeah, not 
not super economical or useful. Um, kind of go way down later on the line. We got a thousand um, dollar MakerBot. It was it was a huge piece of crap, but I didn't pay for it, so it wasn't a big deal. It would fail prints all the time and stop in the middle of stuff. Um, so we kind of put that aside and, and and kept going. And then eventually, a company named Creality came they came out making printers in China, and we got one for three hundred bucks. And it's you know kind of same evolution as computers, like they were they were huge and you couldn't afford them, and now they can just kind of sit on your desktop and chug away. Yeah, definitely. That that's the brand that I personally own. Uh, what is your thoughts on what kind of printer people should buy, with the caveat that at some point they at least want the potential to get into our main subject today, which is not just 3D printing, but 3D printing for firearms or firearm parts, accessories, et cetera. So all my dev work, I, I like to do, I still have the original Creality Ender 3 that I bought six or seven years ago. Okay. Uh, uh, do all the dev work on that to make sure ab- absolutely can do it. Uh, just because, you know, and I also use Hoyer, uh, uh, which we'll get into later. Also, like super low entry level to make it easy for everybody and and as accessible as possible. So, when you say you're using that to make sure it'll work for everybody, what you're saying is by using a printer that's not like the most state of the art, most advanced, baddest thing you can get today to do the development work. You know that if you were to make the plans available, that should pretty much work for everybody. Is that is that what you're saying there? Exactly. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So person gets the 3d printer i was lucky mine came right at the beginning of a workshop and like five dudes that love 3d printers hey guys put it together you know yeah but for the average person like that's not going to happen so what do they need to think of as they're like bringing it out of the box putting it together any kind of initial calibration anything like that uh get out of the box if you can assemble ikea furniture you can put together a 3d printer Okay. Uh, follow follow the instructions carefully. Uh, the only extra thing you're going to do here, if you're not printing, well, guns and stuff, or you need a pretty pretty close tolerance on everything. Um, so once you so once you get it set up, uh, the biggest thing people don't do is when you take a new roll of filament, feed it, feed it in the. Uh, you have to make sure sure the printer knows how much filament it's extruding. Uh, and that's going to be called E steps. Uh, so basically, you take your filament, take your filament at 120 millimeters. You make the printer extrude 100 millimeters. You measure what's left, and then divide that old E by new E steps. That gives you your new value. Uh, and that's how you know how much filament you're extruding. You also have to do the same thing for the X, Y, and Z, y and Z axes. Uh, so you're going to want to download a calibration cube. Uh, and also, first thing you buy, along with, along with your 3D printer, she a set of calibers. I recommend the good ones, Fowler, Fowler, uh, there's links in the, in the, uh, link tree, tree I sent you where it was. Um, only, like, if you cheap out on a printer, do not cheap out on calibers, because accuracy is very important here. All right. Um, we see stuff all the time with the P 
people that probably just hate what we're doing, uh, talking about how if you print a gun out of 3D printer material, obviously it's plastic and it's going to melt. That's the level of ignorance that you just kind of sigh and move along with. But, you know, to that point, is there any need or advantage to any specialized filaments if you're going to be working in the firearms world? Uh, same kind of thing going along with using a cheap printer to get everybody started. Uh, if a design doesn't work in PLA, which is um, polylactic acid, it's not going to work in a higher quality filament like, like a nylon or a fiber reinforced nylon or something like that. Okay, so what's the answer to the question I just asked you? Um, no, basically. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I can get a little, I can get a little jargony. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, can we talk about, cause this was something I had to figure out, like, why do I have to do this or whatever? Like, because mostly when I do my printer, I grab stuff off Thingverse and throw it through a slicer and then load it on a card and stick it in my printer and hit print. That, that's mostly what I do. Uh, can yeah. you explain what a slicer program is and why it's necessary? Uh, uh, it's going to take whatever model you download and convert it into G code. Basically, XYZ coordinates, coordinates, tell the printer, go here, shoot out this much filament, then go there and shoot out this much filament. filament. And so if you have overhangs on your model or anything like that, it's going to build the support up along, along with it. Um, Support's necessary because when you're squir squirting out more classic, uh, you need something something to adhere to to go up. All right. So I kind of alluded to this in my introduction. We have this society that if something's not illegal and people wish it was illegal, what they do is they act like it's illegal. They plant fear. They use terminology like ghost gun or something like that to that effect. Um, they also kind of seem to make it to like, if I have a three, 3D printer, guns are useless. At the same time, once I have a 3D printer, I can hit the death machine button and they just come out, right? <laughs> and I have yeah. like an un, un, unlimited number of weapons of war that come out that can't be traced and it can blow an elephant in half. <laughs> no, it's a like, lot. I mean, that's how they act, right? But like for people that are, because that's what happens is you create this stigma where people stay away from something because they assume that it's illegal. Can you talk about the legalities around making firearms at home and, and not just with 3D printers, like in general? Uh, uh, so I come from a sport, sport uh, SPSA, where privately privately made firearms were kind of, kind of the norm. Uh, a bunch of people have have guns in their shop or garage out of metal and won a national championship with it. Um, I was kind of taking that spirit toward, towards taking this and kind of proving that it's, it's viable and they do work and they're in their very same. You can shoot it just as fast, just as fast as a fire race gun or, or what have you. But I, I'm not asking about the, ability of the weapon i'm asking about the legality of the production of the weapon at home uh privately made firearms are completely legal there's no federal federal prohibition um 
you do have to be careful if you live in New Jersey or Delaware and I think Rhode Island. Um, they're the only, oh, and yeah, but not Pennsylvania. Um, they're the only states or municipalities that I know of right now that prohibit it. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, the way I look at it is we've had private firearms manufacturing in this country for as long as we've been here. Um, I've seen people make guns out of parts that mostly came from Home Depot or Lowe's. Adding Using a 3D printer to do it is no different in that you're still taking a non-firearm and manufacturing a firearm. So it's just that I guess I think the reason that they are so upset about it is it's easier. It's more approachable. It it kind of democratizes the concept of being able to make your own weapons. Uh, I mean, I'm not even sure it's easier, honestly. It's not. uh, It's easier to go buy a Glock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If I was a criminal and had some kind of ill intent, it's probably way easier for me to go buy a gun out of an evidence room off a crooked cop. Uh, I think they're missing 150 firearms, firearms in Philadelphia police de- department lockers this year. Okay. So, yeah, this should be clear on that, guys. Nobody broke into the Philadelphia police department and took them out of the lockers. Somebody in the Philadelphia the police department uh, accidentally lost them somewhere by accident, and maybe money showed up. Yeah, <laughs> who knows. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's much easier if you're I don't know, somebody was going to do crime, which obviously do not do crime with any of these things. Um, there's easier ways to get guns other ways. Um, I was even saying I, I think that the whole idea that because we use 3D printers to do this, the guns are easier to make with 3D printers. I don't even think that's the case. I think that there are certain guns that you can make. I mean, they might not be the uh, the finest crafted firearms or anything, but like. You send me down to Home Depot and hundred bucks, I'll make something that'll put rounds down range, and, yeah. and it will actually take me less time to do than printing, uh, you know, my own version of a Glock or something. Yeah, ask Shinzo how that worked out for him. Like, yeah, you're gonna get into hand. Like, no matter what you do, like uh, even if you made three three D legal, which I like, nothing would surprise me. Uh, but you're not going to you're not going to stop. No, no. Um, and now most people are like me. We can't design crap. <laughs> we can maybe change the size of a file or something like that. But what we really want is we want even if we can like people that can do a little bit of design work, they want a base code. So like there's plenty of files available right now where people can download files for different guns. And even like it tells you what parts to buy from like SIG or what have you. But where do people find those? The files? Or the, the files part? themselves. The, the, the files. Uh, the files themselves, you want to go to uh, uh, controlpew.com. Um, you can go to arewecoolyet.com, uh, and Shoot Sports, or you can kind of browse around Odyssey, and they are the ones gracious enough to, enough to host all of our uh, uh, 3D printed crap. Okay. Um, can you talk about the kinds of guns that people can print? You know, if you go, and again, I think this is obviously bias, 
that they want to create this image of one, it's the scariest thing in the world. Two, it's pointless. Like if you just Google 3D printed guns and hit images, you'll find mostly some of the like first prototypes that are like those like glorified flare guns or something. But yeah, I think today we can print as long as like certain things do need to be metal that we have to be able to get parts for. We can print almost anything. Uh, there's a lot uh, like the PC kind of subgun thing is really popular. Okay. There's a million of those. Um, you can do AR lowers, obviously easy. Um, somebody made, it's called an Amigo Grande. Uh, it uses a set kit and uh, he's shooting 308 without difficulty. Uh, same dude, I think Ivan Patrol made the Plastic Kosikov, which is a full 3D printed. Um, Kalashnikov type rifle, and, and for pistols, the Glock is pretty kind of predominant because parts are everywhere and they're super easy to get. Um, and then a while ago, somebody made a fully printed 1911, which is cool. Um, and I got into got into some uh, not hot water, but uh, developer feud when a little while ago I decided, uh, sorry, I was shooting a, a thing, a, a threatening competition in USPSA. Uh, that was fun. Got tired of it. Started working on, working on a 2011. Uh, around the same time, somebody came out with a 1911 and they made the rails, um, which if we didn't explain that, we'll explain that well. You print the gun, you need the rails to hold the slide on and make it work. Uh, so I started doing a 2011. I saw that, that thing. I said, oh, that's great. I can steal his rails, threw them in the gun, worked like a charm. Um, so that's what I've been doing, doing for the past couple months. Um, trying to think of some other notable ones. I mean, I've seen stuff that, you know, fully functioning submachine gun, which would clearly be illegal, but it does kind of make the point of, uh, uh, and a lot of that was out of Europe too. Dudes are like wearing, cause they'll go to prison for the rest of their lives over it, but they're kind of like, we're just proving that you, you, you can't disarm us. And so yeah. I don't know. I think if you can build that, then I don't know what you couldn't build, I guess. Um, I don't know if I'd be trusting the recoil of a 50 BMG against anything that was 3D printed, but I mean, like, within the bounds of reality, I don't know what you couldn't do. No, it definitely has its, it has its limits. Uh, the, the printed machine gun dude, uh, that's a buddy of mine, uh, probably not going to drop names, but he is an SOT, SOT, and that is total. I don't know who else is doing that kind of crap. Okay. Uh, and anyone getting, getting interested do not print machine guns. Machine guns do not printers. Um, basically, you don't want that smoke. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're noting that in many instances, the difference between a machine gun and a semi-auto is a sear. Yeah, uh, or yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's or or how how you hold something when you fire it. That that's yeah, not a very yeah. accurate thing, but yeah. Yeah. 
you, you could fall down some rabbit holes. Uh, yeah. for sure. Just, I guess my bigger point is that there is, there's a lot less limitation, I think, than people think as to what can be done. Uh, I'm trying to think of the site now. It might actually, they might have just like ran with it, ghostguns.com or something like that, where they, they sell plans and part kits and stuff like that. And I think they got banned on Twitter like a billion times and oh, sure. in the Elon era, they're back. But I haven't seen, now that you, now that I say that, I haven't seen them around forever. Uh, I don't know. Uh, People, people coming. I, I hope nobody's getting in trouble over over this, but who knows? I just meant that maybe they got. Uh, no, they're they're still around. I thought maybe they got banned off Twitter again, but no, they're they're around. Uh, they're they just call themselves Ghost Guns, and uh, yeah. they they sell again uh, plans plus parts kits. So there's certain things, and maybe you can speak to that. There's certain things that you. You, you don't print. You don't print a metal retaining pin that you can buy in a little bag from a parts kit. So, like, most of these guns, you're actually buying components that would be parts or repair kits, and then you're printing other pieces of it and putting it together, right? Exactly. Most of the time, it's going to be it's going to be um, some can get away with printing, uh, maybe like a feed ramp or something like that for an FGCC9, a... Totally forgot about in the pad about in the past, um, but most of the gun, like I'm going to print a frame and then I'm going to buy a slide and a parts kit, uh, along with a set of set of rails from Riptide rails or Aves rails. A couple other people make them, but but I'm not super familiar with anything other than the big other than the big two. Um, and then you're going to assemble that all together into a gun. Um, if you're unsure as how to do that, most of the files files you're going to download, there's a thing called README. Uh, I know it sounds pretty obvious, but you're, but you're going to want to read that whole thing because a lot because a lot of people don't know questions, being like, "Oh, did did you read the thing?" Because you should probably read the thing. Read the thing. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, you mentioned rails. Or you want to explain what that's all about? Uh, a rail is. Basically, the thing that holds the slide on in terms of a pistol. Uh, it's a little piece made out of metal. The metal in your slide, um, then there's going to be either one spot or two, spot in, in, two spots in the frame where you can drop that in, and that's going to retain your slide and keep it from going into your face. Uh, there are some fully printed. Um, somebody's doing a, a 22 pistol that I think I think is fully printed with maybe some little uh, like a firing pin and a breech phase reinforcement but most of the time most of the time the rail to hold all that together okay okay um, it's for, like you see a lot of people like on their backyard to a, a mag dump to prove they work or whatever but there's no restrictions like on where you can shoot these I mean anywhere you could discharge a firearm these can be used, right? Yep. Um, only issue you're going to run into is FUDs. Uh, I don't know too many ranges, like outright banning the whole thing. So you can pretty much, pretty much go and test anywhere. Um, um, I like shooting fast. Um, you can do a USPSA match or PCSESL if you want to do. And actually come compete with them. Okay. Um, 
I noticed in your notes that you uh, you you mentioned that you recently uh, competed with a printed Glock in in, in in your own words, it was a dumpster fire. <laughs> was it because of the gun or the operator that it was a dumpster fire? Uh, not well, neither. Uh, okay. It was because of the springs and followers, and it was in the magazine. Okay. Uh, some kid was making springs and followers in his basement, kind of similar to what I'm doing here. Um, and I don't know what happened. I threw I threw him in there before the match. Made sure they ran in the practice bay like 200 rounds. I said, all right, all right, that should be good enough. Uh, show up the next day. Up the next day, nothing would feed. Um, cost me about 20 seconds on the clock, which is pretty Death good in that world. 50 places at, at nationals. So yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. So um, were those mags also 3D printed, and then you were uh, obtaining the springs and followers from somebody else, or no, they were. Stock factory Glock mags with extensions on them. Okay. Which, um, when you're trying to you're trying to diagnose stuff, that's generally going to be a bad time, no matter what. Um, but you can then also 3D print mags. Um, but he, I think Black Lotus Coalition makes uh, they're called Menendez mags after the famous famous uh, another I think Bob Menendez. Um, and it's a fully 3D printable Glock mag. People are doing fully printed AR mags. Um, All right. Um, what would you tell somebody? Like, I mean, we really haven't talked about like how to do this yet, right? Um, yeah. Like. The person's like, I want to do this. And so they order that Endler or something like that. And kind of what's the process of starting with, I've got some plans and I'm going to make a Glock or I'm going to make a SIG or something like that. Um, research what you want to build. Have okay. a good idea of that first. Um, if you already have this gun, say if you had a Glock or whatever, uh, and, you're, and you're like, all right, I'm printing a Glock. Well, there's all your parts. There's all your parts right there. You can take them out. You can always put them back in the gun and make it jazz. But um, gather your parts first. Go to Rip Tavez, buy a set of rails. Um, most of the time, they're going to come, come with uh, pins and a locking block and everything else that you might need that won't swap over from the original frame. Uh, um, it, one of those sites, Odyssey, Black Lotus Coalition, Control P, whatever you want. Find what you want to build. Um, buy, transfer it over, over to your computer uh, in your slicer program. Slice up the model. Now your G code, you can load that onto a flash drive, put it onto your newly assembled and calibrated and calibrated and hit print. Um, once it's printed, you're going to want to remove all the supports, any, anything, uh, sharp edges where there shouldn't be sharp edges, things like that. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times you'll, if something didn't fully print all the way, you'll kind of have some melted edges or whatever. Make sure you have a good 
safe um, frame that you're going to drop it into. You want to check delamination, any kind of voids in the print like that. That you're good to go. Um, you can you can drop in and build your gun. Okay, and I guess like we should say this here. I think there is this mindset that people think you're printing a gun. You're not really printing a gun. You're printing various no. parts of a gun that then need to be assembled. And usually there's some tuning and things playing around with to get function up to where you want it to be. Yeah. A lot of tuning, a lot of, a lot of tinkering. Uh, I think my first, first gun took five or six tries to fully, fully get going and get everything right. Um, but after that, it, you know, it's not super difficult, difficult. We have some questions. Let's hit, let's hit those as we wrap up here. Uh, let's start off with Tom. I actually got two questions. We can probably combine them. Uh, one is, what is a void in the print? And the other is, what is delamination? Uh, de- All right. So the other thing, other thing I forgot to mention was you want to be careful how you orient these things. Uh, a lot of times when you load them, they'll be in... Whoever, whoever designs uh, preferred orientation, you can flip that down or whichever way you want. Um, but, but for clocks, something like that, um, rails down on the bed makes it easy. Uh, and then, then a void in the print would be maybe you had like a thinner piece of filament, a weird uh, extrusion or something. Um, if those layers don't stick together really well, um, they could crack and cause delamination. Uh, like maybe your printer had a, had a hiccup, just kind of skipped the line and didn't print all the way. Um, sometimes it kind of can be hard to see from the outside, um, but a void or, or delam is going to cause your frame to fail. Gotcha. Um, I have a question here from Wild Blue. Uh, what are prices for a mid-range printer, and what brands for a decent printer? Not the best, but not the cheapest. Kind of the, I don't know the the, the Ford F one fifty, you know, uh, of, instead of the Raptor uh, of, of you know, of printer. Uh, uh, mid-range. Um, they. Go from about a hundred bucks to like the like the sky is the limit. Um, so that's going to depend on your budget, but like a like a filer printer, uh, Creality K, Reality K is a great one. Um, if it ranges like a thousand bucks, I would recommend uh, Bamboo Boo Lab P one one, I believe it is. Uh, and those are kind of like Creality you got futz with and calibrate. Bamboo Lab is more or less like take it out of the box. Put it on the shelf and they're good to go. Okay, you sent me a ton of links, and I'll make sure those end up in the audio notes. But is there any resources or anything like that you'd like to make people aware of on you know while we're here, uh, so to speak? Uh, the Control Pew Guide, uh, complete getting started, getting started guide. Just like the README, you're going to want to read the whole thing before you go and ask any kind of questions. So hold on before we say that, 
Can you say that again, or maybe even phonetically spelled? Did you say control? louder, or yet yeah, something? I, <laughs> I didn't understand what you said. Did you say the control cube guide? Control pew. T R L P E W W. Okay, uh, that's control pew. C T R L W. There's C T R L P E W dot com. Uh, the complete getting started getting started guide. That correct right there because I still have no idea what you're saying. Yes. Okay. C T R L. So it's not correct. C T R L Q dot com. Control Q. Okay. Like the control Q. Okay. Control Q dot com. So that's kind of the 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 jumping off point. Absorb as much information as you can from there before you start asking questions or thinking you don't know something because that's that's kind of your foundational knowledge point. Exactly. All right, man. Well, hey, I, I've enjoyed uh, chatting with you today. You got anything else before we wrap up here? Uh, I think so. All right. All right, man. Well, thanks for being with us today. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed that. I don't know why all of a sudden I went blurry there on the screen, but uh, definitely check out the resources that uh, CJ mentioned. And and just know this is something that you can do. It's not that hard. There's a lot of printers out there, three to six hundred bucks. Um, I, I would add this at the end. If you're getting one to print firearms, get one, go to Thingiverse and print a bracket or print something. Print a few things and learn how the printer works before you print something that's a little bit more complex so that you learn things like leveling your base and what to do when you get adherence problems because you will and things like don't put it somewhere where the table gets shaked or something like that. So print something. And and, and what sold me on getting one myself was Thingiverse. And so I'll add all the links that CJ included. Plus, I'll add that and some other places you can just get random stuff that you can print to the show notes today. Again, those will be live about 30 minutes before we wrap up today. Uh, real quick here at the end, I want to, again, remind you guys that we do have uh, the Simplified Bioreactor composting course available for you at homefoodsystems.com. That's something I worked on for about six weeks uh, to get that course done and put out. And I thought it'd be interesting today to maybe show you visually why you might want to actually take this course. So this is a piece of something called longevity spinach, and it was made from a cutting, and the cutting was stuck into the compost that I teach you how to make. This is another cutting that was made on the same day. These were stuck on the exact same day, exact same time, and they've been sitting a whopping five inches apart. And the difference is not just a little bit. It's dramatic. And there's several of them of each. And they both have this amount of difference, not just the growth of the existing vegetation. But if you take a look at all the new growth coming off of there, this has never been fertilized. And this other one here is not like some random dirt out of the street or something. Uh, the one that's doing far less well, that soil is actually a potting soil called Fox Farms. It's one of the best potting soils you can buy in a bag. And so that just shows you, and it's all about biology. There's not a ton of nutrient in there or anything. It's about the bioreactive compost that we make, fungal dominant. It's just awesome. And I really encourage you to take a look at the course. 
and consider taking it. Also, remember, if you like us and the work that we do and you want to help support us, you can always do that by starting your online shopping where? tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Today's um, item of the day, I, th- I think you'll, you, if, if you haven't seen this before when I brought it around, I think you really like it. And, you know, we're talking about compost here at the end. So it's also a way to compost. One of the great ways to compost is with worms. In fact, I use worm compost in my large scale composting as kind of a kicker. My problem with worms here has always been ants. And when I found the urban worm bag composting bin, I'm like, I'm going to give this a shot because I really want worms in my system. And it's worked out really well for me. I actually own two of them. It's on sale today for 9% off. You can find it at the survivalpodcast.com. You can find it in today's audio show notes and the listing on the blog. Uh, and you can always find everything that I recommend at tspaz.com. With that, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, I will be back tomorrow. Expert Council Q&A show for the week. Friday flashback. And then we'll keep doing it all again over and over. Take care, guys. Have a wonderful day. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.